You are listening to the I Love That Line podcast hosted by me, Lawrence Anthony. And me, Darren Robinson. And we are two brothers who have grown up together and love to talk movies and life. I live in Toronto, Canada. And I'm live here in New York. Everyone loves movies. Some of you have movie lines that you love and that mean something to you. They make you laugh, cry, think, feel, whatever it is. Each week, we'll share the line from a movie that we love the most. Why we love that line and you should too. Now that you know who we are, Let's get into the movie and why we love that line. Up next, Rush, starring Chris Hemsworth and Daniel Bruhl. Let's get into our line. Stop thinking of it as a curse to have been given an enemy in life. It can be a blessing, too. A wise man gets more from his enemies than a fool from his friends. And you know what? He was right. You are listening to another episode of I Love That Line podcast. I am Lawrence Anthony. And I'm Darren Robinson. We're going to talk about Rush today. And this was a movie that uh, you brought to us. This was a line that you brought to us. I hadn't seen this movie before. I had started to watch it a couple times. uh, Had been wanting to watch it for a while. uh, So I'm glad you picked this one. It's funny because every other movie that we've done so far, we've both watched the films. So I knew when that line was coming. This line doesn't come until the end of the movie, and there are so many good lines in here, but I, I do love this line. I love that line. It was, a, it was a good one. You picked a good line out of out of a movie filled with some really, really strong ones. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't come till the end of the movie, but it's still uh, equally as potent. So before we get into the categories, we can play the line back for anyone who may have missed it. Uh, here's a line. Stop thinking of it as a curse to have been given an enemy in life. It can be a blessing, too. A wise man gets more from his enemies than a fool from his friends. And you know what? He was right. So why do you love this line? What does this line mean to you? Well, it's kind of, again, it doesn't come till the very end of the film. Um, but it's still, again, it's so, it's so powerful. It's kind of one of those, sounds like something you would hear in like a Shakespeare, Shakespearean play or whatever, uh, or some kind of, playwright or poem poem or what have you uh, but for me when he says uh, you know a wise a wise man gets more from his enemies and a fool from his friends I thought about it and I thought about how a lot of times people can become complacent and I think being surrounded by yes people and people who are always you know catering to your whims um, who aren't really good friends uh, those kind of people I like it because you need that drive. It's kind of similar to, um, you know, we spoke about this before. Michael Jordan, how he he kind of, uh, he always used something to motivate him. Oftentimes it came from his enemies. He used that as motivation. So for me, I've heard, I've heard people say, oh, you can do this, you can do that. But the thing that always gave me the most drive was when somebody... It's kind of, we, we kind of talked about this in, uh, in, in the Pursuit podcast, but uh, for me, what gives me the most drive is when somebody tells me I can't do something or kind of puts like a hex on me or whatever, tries to belittle, you know, belittle my, my approach or my, my, my aspirations. So that's why it means something to me because I've heard that a lot in, in my life. And in fact, I remember when I used to get bullied, uh, you would come into the rescue do you remember that like so many times you come into the rescue (laughs) uh typical like you know big brother thing 
So it's just for me, it's 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 for anytime someone's ever told me I can't do something or uh, it's I use it as motivation. I don't, I don't look to people who are beside me. I look to those who are where I want to be or I look to toward my competition, if you will. Yeah, it's funny. You, you talked about uh, when you used to get bullied. Um, I, 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 I do remember this is kind of like a sidebar, but I remember when we lived uh, in the apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh in North York and skip the court. And uh, you had, we had that pop-up baseball toy, like a pop-up softball toy and the neighborhood bully, uh, Chucky, mm-hmm. uh, Chucky took it from you and uh, took the bat and you came upstairs crying. And mom was like, you need to go, go get the bat back. And I'm like, this kid's much older than me, much taller than me. And she's like, you need to go get the bat back. And so we went downstairs and the whole, like, like everyone in the apartment building was there. Like, Chucky was just like, he was just that, like, neighborhood bully. You know, he was, he was like Biff from uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> and I remember just grabbing the bat and beating Chucky with the bat, with a plastic bat. It wasn't wooden, so for anyone listening, I, w- I didn't commit homicide or attempted homicide. But beat him with this plastic bat and then threw the bat over my shoulder. I was like, there, let's go. And everyone was like, what? Yep, I remember <laughs> but, that story. <stretch. laughs> And Gordon Rob, who who um, who lived down the hall from us, were like from that point on, it's like we had to I had to respect. It was just like prison, you know. <laughs> it's like what they say, you gotta, but you gotta beat up the biggest bully. Yep. Um, you gotta punch the bully in the mouth. You gotta punch the bully in the mouth. Uh, Not advocating for violence. No, but, no, of course. You know, <laughs> it's a metaphor. Sometimes, hey, sometimes no one's above an ass whooping. Sometimes people gotta get checked. You gotta check people sometimes. <laughs> uh, but you know. You pick this line, and this is a little different, though, than people challenging you or telling you you can't do something, whereas that was a mm-hmm. pursuit one. This line, to me, why I love this line, I love that line because it it tells you, look, we all have rivals, or we all have, you said this, people who are where we want to be or people we look up to. In fact, at the end of the movie, Lauda says, I think the last line he says is, he's the only man I envied. Yeah. Yeah. And that says a lot. And so, you know, I wrote this down and why I love this line. You know, I've always had people that I look up to or respect. They're typically older. Sometimes they're different. Sometimes they're very similar. But oftentimes I've found that there's there's some differences. Uh, They're rarely like me. And, you know, I think people know who they want to emulate. And I think you recognize like minded people. Or people who are in positions or places where you want to be, or maybe have the courage to do things you don't want to do, or or brashness to do what you don't, um, you can't do. And I thought about this. I had this rival in school. Uh, we both went to the same high school, but I had this rival in high school, and we had similar tastes, similar likes in women. We 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 got along, but we clashed sometimes. And a, a mutual friend told me at that time, you know, you and him clash because. You and he clashed because you guys are both so similar, you know? And he was the only person, really, he was the only person in school that I considered to be my equal or considered to be, you know, had the same potential capacity as me. He was confident. He wasn't afraid of risk. He was charismatic. And these are things that I recognize in myself. And I think when you see someone who is on the, uh, on the opposite side of the coin of you, but the same coin, right? is that you learn a lot from them, right? Kind of like uh, 
in a way, a uh, Charles Xavier. Xavier. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say it. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Professor X and Magneto. It really is. It really is. The, the respect, the mutual respect is there. And that's what I really loved about um, about that line is is the respect that it kind of um, suggests that you have. You don't have to to love your enemies. No one's saying love your enemies or whatever, but respect you know the competition. Respect um, that you both have something in common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I noticed a lot in this movie is like there is a respect there and. You know, like I said, I've always learned from those I respect. And even those I maybe don't, I think there's a lesson to be learned in everything. I think what to emulate and what not to emulate. Mm-hmm. And I think you can use that in many situations. I think you can use that with, with people who do things that you don't agree with. And you're like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. You can learn a lot from your enemies. You can learn a lot from people that you that you no longer speak to or that have wronged you. And I think just just as much as you can learn a lot from those like you. And in fact, how much growing are you really doing? That's what preaching in the choir is, right? Like how much growing are you really doing if you're just surrounding yourself with the same people who think the same thing? Like that's not growth, you know? Exactly. It's complacency, if you will. Yeah, it's being comfortable. Yeah, sitting in comfort. And uh, I I think even in the movie, um, there's a line where Nikki says, uh, what does he say? Happiness is what? Yes, yes. I, I wrote that. That was a great line, and yeah. he said um, to his wife. Uh, he said, "Yeah, he said to his wife." He wakes up in the middle of the night, and uh, she's like, "You know what are you doing? Is everything okay?" And he goes, "Happiness is the enemy. It weakens you. It weakens you. Some suddenly you have something to lose." Yes, yeah, yeah I wrote that down too. That, that I like that line a lot as well. I think Lauda recognizes his competition right away, mm-hmm. and is relentless. You know, so for anyone who hasn't seen the movie. Do you, do you want to break down quickly what the, what the movie is? Yeah, I guess, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this while watching it. I, I was never really a big uh, Formula One fan. I didn't grow up watching it. Uh, I had some friends who were really big fans of it, but I wasn't a big Formula One fan. So this follows uh, two Formula One drivers. Uh, well, they're not initially Formula One drivers. They make their way up to the Formula One level um, in the 70s, uh, two of the more, more popular Formula One drivers in the 70s, uh, Nicky Lauda, uh, played fantastically by Daniel Brühl, and uh, James Hunt, the Brit, uh, played by Chris Hemsworth. And so it just tells the the tale of uh, their back and forth in the mid-70s of trying to be world champion uh, in the Formula One circuit. Yeah, the rivalry. And so, you know, it's a rivalry movie. It's funny, when this movie came out, when the trailer came out, they did a really good job of positioning the movie, like Hunt, played by Hemsworth, you know, really good-looking guy, party guy, whatever, whatever, and Daniel Brühl, who plays Lauda, you know, very serious. But the way the trailers were cut, it almost made it seem like Lauda was, like, we're supposed to root against Lauda. That Lauda is, mm-hmm. you know, this villain, in a way. But it's funny, this is the way our mind is set. You know, we see the pretty, pretty one, and we maybe want to side with that, or, or with him. But in watching this, the movie opens with Lauda and closes with Lauda. This is, and even though they have a lot of balance yeah. in the movie, I think the, I think Howard, uh, Ron Howard, who directs the film, does a good job of, you know, giving giving some time to to Hemsworth's character, uh, Hunt, and giving some time to Brule's uh, character, uh, Lauda. So there is balance in there, which is important because, you know, I I wrote I was like this this is a movie about two guys 
on the same like on the same side on opposite sides of the same coin and but the movie mm-hmm. really is more about Lauda I think and it becomes Lauda's movie to an extent I mean there there are moments of, of Hemsworth's growth and 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 whatnot but it's a rivalry movie and you know why this line resonates with me so much and why I love this line is because I think in order to be great, you need to learn from other people. You need to learn what to do, what not to do. You need to learn what you're willing to do. And you can't, I think sometimes it takes someone else, and this could, this could apply in relationships, this could apply in friendships, this could apply in anything. I think sometimes it takes someone else to show you what you have within you or what you're not willing to tap into. Yeah, absolutely. Um certain parts of the movie kind of illustrate that I won't give anything away for those who haven't seen it, but there are certain points where uh, you see the psyche uh, or the, the contrast in psyche between the two, the two race, race car drivers. And you see what one is willing to do to win and what one is willing is, is uh, not willing to do in order to kind of uh, for order and preservation in terms of uh, survival. And what matters, yep. you know, because the goal is they want to be the best. They want to be the best, plain and simple. Yep. They want to win Formula One. They want to be the champion of the world. They want to be number one. But as this movie progressed, you know, why this why this line is so powerful, the more I think about it, is it, it is not just a matter of, and you're right, I love that you said it's so Shakespearean because it is, but it's not just a matter of, you know, a wise man, as Lauda says, a wise man learns uh, more from his enemies than a fool does from his friends. It's a great line, but at face value, it seems simple. But on a deeper level, it is, I am, I, I'm, I'm going to learn what I'm not going to do. And Lauda in the movie is like, hey, I'm not, we both have the same goal, but we have different approaches. Mm-hmm. And I think in life, well, that's for me too, is I've seen a lot of people who, we have similar goals or similar ambitions um, and kind of a destination that, that we want to achieve. But I've always, in my mind, I've always had, you know, this is what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to compromise this or I'm not going to compromise my integrity or self-respect and I'm not going to sell out or sell myself short. There's some things I'm not willing to do. I will not do because what's more important to me Yeah is those attributes that I just listed, and they're more important than the actual goal. Some people, it's a win-at-all-cost uh, mindset. And, you know, I think, why well, have that approach? You know, what was that? Something called a, a heroic victory, right? From the Greeks. And it's like you win, but you're actually, <laughs> is it really a victory if you've lost everything? At what cost? And in fact, actually, just a little, a little uh, sidebar, um, one of my favorite songs um, or sounds from the soundtrack, uh, wonderfully done by the the goat Hans Zimmer. He is the goat. Um, <laughs> there is a well, I added to my my movie score playlist. And I listen to it while I'm working out or when I need motivation or whatever. Uh, the main song is called "Lost But One," and it uh, it's it happens in the film during a, a scene where we 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 see what one of the car race car drivers is willing to do in terms of preservation and survival so um that's often the case is you know what are you willing to do and sometimes you might lose but you win because you still 
you're, you're still sticking with your morals. You're still sticking with your approach and you're going to find another way. There's always another angle. You don't have to, you know, uh, sell out, as you said, or you don't have to uh, just be, you know, no holds barred. Sometimes you have to take the L. And that's one thing I've, I've learned in life is not every L is an L. You know, sometimes you lose, but but you win in the end because you, you, you're still left with whether it's your morals or your life. You know, so many times you'll see in movies, uh, you know, someone is, is hollering at someone's girl. It's a typical, you know, like a standard scenario. Someone's hollering at your girl. And, you know, the first reaction is like, okay, well, I'm going to, it's fight or flight, right? You know, it's either you're going to step up and try and defend. You know, is it, you have to calculate the risk. And that's what is amazing, amazing about this movie is it shows um, the calculated risks that both of them uh, take into account or don't take into account. It's crazy you brought that up because one of the things that I wrote down too is is uh, this idea of losing. And, you know, I think sometimes we have a fear of losing. I know, I, I know that, like, mm-hmm. one of my fears is failure. And sometimes that can put you in a situation where you don't try, right, or you want it to be perfect. And, you know, in the startup world or, you know, mm-hmm. in a lot of corporate worlds, you know, they say, you know, perfect is the enemy of good, right? And, you know, that, that prevents a lot of people from moving forward because they're just like, oh, I need to get it perfect or I don't want to lose. What if I lose? Well, what if you don't try at all? You never know, right? And for me, this line, why I love, the, why I love this line is because it talks about what fuels you. You know, I hate to lose, but I'm, I'd say I'm comfortable, but I'm more okay with with losing if I know I've done my best, or if I know I put forth my my the best effort and it just the breaks didn't go my way. Now that's a tough thing for someone like me because anyone who knows me knows I'm pretty much used to getting my way. Even people who don't know me that long, you know, just like, you know, you just usually get your way. <laughs> but I'm really upset to lose if I feel like I haven't done my best or if I feel like I haven't prepared. And I remember I had an audition when I was acting years ago, when grandma was still alive. And I remember I went to this audition. This was back in a period of my life where I was constantly late. I procrastinated all the time. I'd show up late, but I was just so used to mm. things working out that I just, you know, I took it for granted and it got very comfortable in that. And I showed up late to this audition. Not because I was doing anything important. I was just messing about. Just chilling. Just chilling. And I got to the audition. She said, oh, you just missed the director producer they're they're gone but i mean we'll still record you and i'm like well you know like i just missed an opportunity to be with the actual director producer i'm just not gonna be some chump on tape yep did the audition whatever i remember getting in the car after and i'm not ashamed to say this i remember calling grandma crying mm-hmm. because i was like you know i think i just blew this i just had an opportunity and this is one of the things you know i, I uh, miss most about her is, you know, just she was able to comfort us and she comforted me in that moment. And she's like, you know, it's OK. And I said, no, I failed. I messed up. I was late and, and, and I didn't do the job. And I felt and I felt like I let myself down. I felt like I let her down. And she said, you know, you, you'll get the next one and just take this and learn from it. And I ended up getting the part, which didn't really teach me anything. <laughs> so, but <laughs> Sometimes that's that's the way it is, though. Sometimes people get breaks. But there is a lesson to be learned there is, you know. Sort it out. Sometimes people think, oh, the, they just have that luck that's always going to keep bouncing their way. You know, you keep knocking on the devil's door. One day he's going to answer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's a lesson to be learned there. You know, I mean, uh, thankfully you got the part. 
But, uh, you know, you, sometimes you could miss an opportunity. Um, to take it back to the movie, what I like about both of these um, race car drivers, it, it shows their, their, their difference in trying to prepare for their task at hand, which is to win. Yeah. Their goal is to win. You know, one one of them is a, is a showboating playboy who mm-hmm. on his on his overalls, on his, you know, his his thing has sex, the breakfast of champions. <laughs> and, that, that, and, I, and I decided to look it up, too. That's a real thing. That was actually a real thing that <laughs> that he had. And the other one was, you know, even the movie says I focus, you know, I go to bed early. I wake up and I, and I dedicate myself to my craft. And this is why I win, because I am so focused and it just shows the, the, the difference in the two mindsets that they have. But yeah, if you don't give something your all and you lose, you have no one else to blame but yourself sometimes. More often than not, 99% of the time, you have no one else to blame but yourself if you, if you screw up and, and you're not prepared for, to, to, to use a, the Mamba mentality. Here's the thing. The idea is to constantly get better and to constantly learn. And I think that's growth. And I think if you're not growing in life, you're dying. If you're not, hey, can I improve? Can I do this better? Oh, maybe can I can I operate in my relationship better? Can I operate in my job better? Can I be a better son, a better uh, father, husband, brother, sister, wife, whatever? Then I feel like you're that's a loss. But there's no loss if you're like, hey, I tried and it just didn't work out, but I did put forth the best effort. So to me, what this said, the final thing that I wrote was balance. And I remember I was I was flying to Korea earlier this year. And this guy across uh, the pod from me, we, were, we just ended up talking and he was talking to me about his situation. He has a son back in Korea and his son is like constantly under pressure at school. He wakes up, goes to school, comes home, does his homework. He feels like his son doesn't have a life. He's a little boy. And he wants to move the son to Argentina with his wife. But, you know, they're back in Korea and they're comfortable. And I said, it's about finding balance. And for me, this has been the big word this year is balance. And I think that's why I love this line so much is because it's finding the right balance, learning what you're going to do, what you're not going to do. Do you want to hop on to the next category? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Why does this line, or what does this line rather mean in the movie? Uh, What does it say about the characters in the movie? What does this line say about the world in the movie? Um, We kind of touched on this, but um, it it tells us that uh, they're learning from each other. It tells us that in the, again, I know nothing. I know nothing about Formula One. I know nothing about the racing world. Um, but I, I like this movie because it kind of gives you a little insight into what it was like back then. I don't know what, it is, what it's like now. But it tells us that you kind of need uh, someone to push you. You need competition. You need somebody who is your equal, if you will, um, to kind of take you to the next level, kind of push you in terms of, pole position or or you know whatever so that that's that's kind of what it tells me is that this world is very much dependent on uh competition um it's yin and yang Mm -hmm. it's yin and yang and i think this movie does an amazing job this line does an amazing job of like why it's yin and yang um lauda's wise and cautious hunt is a reckless one you know the the same goal but with different methods and Lauda says to him, you were equally responsible for getting me back in the car. You know, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, Lauda gets into a horrific car accident, almost kills him. And, you know, he's watching Hunt win these races while Lauda is laid up in the hospital. And 
when he gets back to the circuit, Hunt says, yeah, I feel responsible for your accident. He goes, you were partially, but you're also partially responsible. You're equally responsible for getting me back in the car mm-hmm. because he saw him winning and he was, and he used it as fuel. And so what I think this, what this line says about the movie or what it says about the characters in the movie and the world, but also our world is we need motivation and we're fueled, whatever your fuel is, whether it's rage, anger, envy, uh, doubt, love, whatever it is, you need to find what fuels you. Yeah. And they, they do. You know, Hunt is fueled. Hunt is like, I'm not going to let this guy beat me. He, and he, he, he immediately sees his competition at the beginning of the movie. Like, he, he asks, he's like, who is that guy? Yeah. And it's crazy. You, you could just, even animals, they know, oh, you know, that, that's, that's a threat. Yeah. You know, Nikki talks about how every time he gets in the car, it's 20% risk that he could get in an accident or some fatal accident could happen. And Hunt doesn't care. He does not give a damn. It's, it's all like, you know what, at any, at any risk, I'm going to drive and I'm going to be the best. And as the movie progresses, you see the difference and you can see that becomes more and more um, emboldened that, uh, you know, Hunt doesn't care. He just wants to win. And Nikki's like, you know what? A certain amount of risks that I'll take. And uh, this is not one of them. I'm not willing to, to die. Yes, you're right. It, it, it won't, it's not just about racing. It's a life thing, right? And so when I looked into this, the backstory, like, you know, Hunt died. The movie says he died at 45, but Hunt was, he actually went broke twice. Yeah. He, went, he went broke twice and Lauda actually gave him money and uh, like helped him out and then helped him out again. And that's when Hunt kind of got it together, but he became an alcoholic. He, he fell into alcoholism and went through all that. But that speaks to just, I think you are who you are. Yeah. And I think this movie says that is like, you know, people can try and outrun who they are. But if you don't get a handle on it, it can, you know, it can, it can be a detriment. The same things that make you successful can also be the same things that, that uh, end up being your demise. Well, that's, I mean, that's what part of the story is where Olivia Wilde comes in as, the, as the, his first wife. He tries to get married to kind of, you know, crush that that monster, that demon, or whatever that that side of him. Rather, he tries to crush that side of him, and she suggests that he only got married for that reason, not because he actually wanted to be that kind of person. And so, you are who you are. You can try and you know change it up, but that's just a top layer. Yeah, as Jay said, it's just yep. a top layer. So I think we can hop into some other lines then uh, for our third category of. You know, how does this line rank ab- uh, among some of the other lines? Um, was there anything you wanted to say about what it said about the 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 characters or, or the world? No, no, I think I think we touched on touched on that. I mean, did this movie make me want to get into a, a McLaren or a Ferrari to start racing? <laughs> uh, probably not. Um, I was never a car guy. Um, I appreciate cars. You know, when we would play Gran Turismo as kids, I loved playing that. But uh, I was never really a car, a car person. Um, but it, I think what this movie does really well is kind of puts you into that world of what car racing is kind of like in a way in terms of, you know, the, the dangers that exist and the thrill that, it, that comes with it. The re, the real Lauda said the same thing uh, when he said just how accurate it was from that, from that element of it. They changed a few things, but I, I agree. Um, okay. So for our next category, what we like to do is we break down, or just talk about like where it ranks among other lines in the movie. Uh, we touched on a couple of these quotes already. 
Um, and, and there are some really good ones. This movie's stocked with lines. I mean, when you hit me up last night, we were talking, you said Lauda has bars. Yeah. And he does. Like, <laughs> Lauda's got bars in this movie. No, he does. You know, and even his wife says, oh, a poet at one part. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You know, one of the one of the bars that I that I wrote, well, we kind of already talked about it is when he says, uh, you know, happiness, you know, makes you weak. Mm -hmm. You know, happiness is the enemy. It weakens you. Suddenly you have something to lose. You know, I uh, I've been hearing this actually in therapy. You know, I've been hearing this idea of when you're bored, don't look at that as a problem. Mm -hmm. because it could be a privilege. There are going to be moments in life where you won't be able to be bored. There are going to be moments in life when it's going to be pretty chaotic mm -hmm. and pretty tough. So maybe enjoy those quiet moments because they prepare you or give you the capacity to deal with the heavy moments. And I think when you're a high achiever, sometimes you can look at, you know, happiness can make you soft or it weakens you. But once again, it comes to it comes to balance, and having something to lose is a good thing because it puts things in perspective for you. Uh, what other lines do you have? Um, I wrote down another one where actually I, I mentioned earlier where the wife says, uh, "Oh, he's a poet." Which whose whose wife? Lauda's wife. Uh, Nikki Lauda's here. Yeah, Nikki Lauda's wife. Before they get married, I believe, and he's talking about, "Oh, you know, I'm not going to be this kind of uh, husband." He lets you know up front what kind of person he is or what kind of husband he's going to be. And, you know, he's saying, I'm not going to, I don't, I don't bring flowers or yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I'm dedicated to, to, to my craft. And then, but he does say what I really, really like. He says, if I'm going to do this with anyone, it might as well be with you. It's kind of like a lot of times, I, I don't know if women go through this, but I know men often go through this. I've been through this. Men sometimes get so caught up in their craft or the career or whatever that they don't want to make time for for a relationship they don't want to make time whether it be with a with their 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 partner or even even with their their kids sometimes they're so caught up in their work that they neglect other things in their life that that need them or that that require their attention and their time and so i really like that part because it's him acknowledging that he has that mindset but at the same time he's saying you know what I'm going to do this with you. I'm going to, mm -hmm. I'm going to let you into my world because I value you. It's a great line. And I, I didn't write that one down, but I know the scene um, just before they get married. And then you think about at the end of the movie, mm -hmm. dude, one of the, one of the most powerful lines in the movie, the or scene is like when he gets out of the car, cause he's like, no, it's too risky. I'm not going to like, I've already gone through an accident. Yeah. I've already almost died. I'm not going to kill myself. My wife, my family matters more. Yeah. And he's probably going to win the race. He's, he's winning the race. He's going he's gonna to win. He's also going to win the championship. So he, he, he forfeits being champion of the world for what matters. For what matters. Yeah. The totality. The totality. Yeah. He sees the bigger picture. You know, they have this camera angle where it just it shows the tunnel vision that the, uh, the drivers have. And in that scene that you're speaking of, you know, his, his wife is flashing before his eyes and He's thinking about what matters. So he's already been a world champion at that point, but he can secure another one, win a back-to-back -back champion and secure his status as, as great. But he says, no, it's not worth it. Again, it goes back to what he's willing to risk. His life and what matters is his family. It's not worth the risk. But Hunt is like, I don't give a damn. He doesn't have, he doesn't have anything to lose at that way, or he doesn't yeah. value anything uh, as much at that point. 
You know, that, and that, again, that's the difference between the two of them. One is willing to risk his life for whatever, for a trophy. But Nikki realizes that his trophy is his family and his life, and that's what matters to him. So then in a way, Nikki's quote earlier when he says, happiness is the enemy, it weakens you, is actually not true. It should be happiness makes you strong. Yeah. And just like vulnerability, sometimes people think vulnerability makes you weak. It does not. It makes you strong because you're able to put things in perspective. And Nikki is like, you know what? Trophy's great. You know what's more important? Me coming home to my wife. You know what's more important? Me building this family and, 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 and the, full, the full picture. He talks about he looks at the full picture earlier in the film. And the line that I love or that scene I love is when Hunt wins and they get in the helicopter and Lauda's wife uh, says to him, are, are you okay? Are you okay? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm fine. No regrets. He's like, I have no regrets. No regrets. And then he looks at her dead in her face and he's like, none. Mm-hmm. You know, no regrets. Yeah. And I thought it was such a powerful scene because that is a man at peace or as you said, sitting with his peace. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a line that I wrote down. Uh, this might be the only other one I have that I thought was... Uh, this actually kind of touches on what you were talking about in terms of like how some men are. We can speak on this because we're men. I can't speak of what it's like to be a woman. I mean, we've grown, we were raised by great women, but I know a lot of guys who, who are kind of like this or, you know, a lot of my girlfriends now or, or talk about what it's like dating and so forth. And, you know, just it's tough to meet men. And mm-hmm. Hunt says, what were you hoping for? A night? Don't come to me. Who are willing to don't go to don't go to me who are willing to kill themselves driving in circles looking for normality mm-hmm. and you know it's when him and olivia wilde's character are are kind of like are fighting and it's break it's a breakup scene and he's just like look what do you want you knew who i was you knew what this was yeah is that when he was drinking yeah yeah and i just thought that was an important line because sometimes you can't change people mm-hmm. you know sometimes people want Either in relationships or friendships, you want someone to be someone or you try and mold someone to be someone when they're already who they are. Sometimes people, and it's men or women, it's not just, it's, it's anyone. Yeah. You might try and mold someone or change someone and that that's pretty difficult. You have to, you know, work and grow with them. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to take this project on. Yeah. You know, some people are malleable. Some people are, they are what they are. I have a line um, that kind of, I think it's not too far after that, that Olivia Wilde delivers to to James Hunt, to uh, Chris Hemsworth. They're sitting down after they've broken up and he finds out that she's been seeing someone else. I think he's an actor. Richard Burton. Richard Burton. And so he's like, you know, what, what does, you know, what does he do for you more or less? He says, you know, what is, what does this guy do that I don't or what have you? And she says, what's important is how it feels to me. And it feels like he adores me. And I thought about that and it's like, Again, a lot of people can go through that. It's like neglect. Anything that you love, whether it's plants or a person or or your craft, or whatever, everything that you love requires time and attention. If you don't give what you love time and attention, you're going to lose it. He values racing and I guess uh, you know, living that lifestyle of, you know, infidelity and drinking and whatever more than the family life. Don't forget about the cocaine and, and all that. Yeah. And the do- and she says that then the dope and whatever. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he, he, he loses it. Yeah. If you don't show up for things or for people, uh, you will lose them. Um, all right. So 
let's hop into the uh, kind of the final two categories. We can round the uh, round the final lap here, so to speak. Pun uh, pun definitely intended. Very bad pun <laughs> intended. Uh, where does it rank for you in terms of all time movie uh, movie lines? Is this a rookie pro Hall of Fame? I think it's a pro line. Uh, or, or also could be could be a rookie line. Um, really? Not a rookie. Really? Not a rookie line. Well, I say that because again, something I learned in school was when you're trying to figure out the headline to use for the newscast or whatever is magnitude plays a big part or you know who says it or celebrity there are different things that impact the headlines and so i think if i talk to probably seven out of ten friends actually probably i would say probably eight out of ten friends that i know wouldn't know this movie a lot of people i know haven't seen this movie yeah because i think it's very niche yeah it's pretty niche i mean i know they they put hemsworth in there to try and kind of as, as a draw um yeah but it's very niche and not a lot of people know it. So a lot of people, a lot of people wouldn't know this line or he wouldn't even have any idea what we're talking about when we say, Oh, rush. Have you seen rush? No, most people wouldn't know that. Um, yeah. so it could be rookie, but I don't, I would say it's a pro line. I, I, it's not a hall of fame line. Um, mainly because of it's kind of, uh, niche, um, audience, if you will. So I, I'm going to go pro. I'm going to tell you why it's hall of fame. Okay. All right. I, I I hear you, but I think you're wrong. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, think you're, I think you're wrong because you're judging the line based on its popularity and judging the line on, on the widespread appeal. I'm going to judge a line on the line itself and the implications of the line and what this line means on a, on a larger scale. And this is why I think it's a Hall of Fame line. When we are in a world now where we are so fractured, so divided, I'm going to give you a story. Got back from Jamaica. Yeah. I'm on a flight and I see a guy behind me boarding uh, group one. We're both in first class. And this is I'm not humble bragging. I'm saying this because we're both going to the same place. <laughs> and he's behind me uh, uh, connecting in Charlotte, coming back home to LaGuardia. And he has on a Trump hat. And he has on a face mask that says defund the media. Mm. And his, his hat is actually Trump Pence 2020. Christ. He's a clear Trump supporter. And I look at this guy and we could not look any more different. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm dressed the way that anyone who knows me knows how I dress when I fly. And, you know, he's in his Trump gear. And I'm like, ugh. But then I stop and I think and I'm like... I'm not going to judge this guy on his outward appearance. Yes, he might like Trump or supports Trump and Pence, and that's against everything that I believe in. Mm -hmm. But Darren, if we treat each other like enemies and the hostility that comes with treating someone like an enemy, then we're screwed. We don't learn from each other. So yeah. uh, I'm on this flight, and so I land, and he asked me, he's like, is this home for you? I won't be landed. I'm standing up. He's he's directly behind me. He goes, "It's home for you." I'm like, "Yeah, actually, yeah, I live in New York." And we start talking. Dude, we start having some jokes. And uh, I'm like, "What about you?" He's like, "Oh no, I'm just here for work for a few days, and I go back to Charlotte." And um, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm just coming from Jamaica." Blah blah blah. And we just start talking. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, I, I kind of miss New York, but not really." He's like, "You know, it's nice to have space and all this stuff." And we end up talking, sharing jokes, talking about our travels, talking about New York, all this stuff. 
very cordial. Yeah. And someone told me this a few years ago, and I thought it was a great quote, in that nice monsters are still monsters. Just because someone is nice to you, it does not necessarily mean that their values align with you or that they're necessarily a good person, you know? So I, that that's a perspective that I agree with. You know, there are domestic violence abusers who I'm sure are very nice people. It yeah. doesn't mean they're... they're they're, they're a good human being. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there are slave owners who I'm sure are very nice to some people, but still despicable human beings. So just because this guy's nice to me, that doesn't mean that, you know, whatever. But my pers- my thing is a w- to take this line. This is why I think this line is a Hall of Fame line. A wise man learns more from his enemies than a fool does from his friends. If we are both Trump supporters, we don't learn from each other. All we do is reinforce each other's beliefs. But the fact that you know, I am a black man who is different from the values that the people he supports are for. It is important to have a cordial. I need to show him another way. I need to be like, hey, listen, I'm not sure what you are being fed, but I know it's not great. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to show you how I am. I'm going to represent, you know, in some ways I, when I walk into a place. I really do feel like I uh, carry the black community on my shoulders, and I think it's important for me to be responsible. I felt like that since I was 15, 16 year old, years old, and our high school teacher, John Darcy, said, Lawrence, you can't, that's that's too much weight on your shoulders. I'm like, the hell with that. I'm fine with that. The reason I think this is a Hall of Fame line is because maybe if this guy gets off the plane, and we, it was cordial, we got off the plane, we said bye to each other. I'm telling you, we, we, we probably could have ended up hanging out. And maybe this guy now stops and thinks. Maybe he thinks, oh, I've been fed one thing, and maybe that's not true. And I think that's why this line matters, because at a time now when we're so divided and so polarized, it's important to learn not from the people around us, but to learn from those that maybe differ from us. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. I I understand exactly where you're coming from. I'm a natural-born pacifist anyway. You are. I'm always going to choose peace over over conflict because as they say, an eye for an eye. Anytime hatred is involved or hate is involved and vengeance is involved, then peace is absent. And all I ever want is peace. So I understand where you're coming from. And that's why this is a Hall of Fame line, man, is because I think this speaks to, I think this can speak to bigger things more than, this is not just about racing, Right. Yeah, this is about absolutely. race. It's about it's about gender. It's about women, men. It's about so many different things. It's we have to learn from each other. Uh, even those who are, are different than us. Otherwise, we're finished. Uh, final category. Do you think the line is enhanced by the actor? Or the actor enhances the line. I think I think the latter. I think the line definitely um, enhances the actor. Because, again, as I said before in, in my um, statement, I, I don't think he's on. I don't think Daniel Bruhl's an A-list actor. Not that he's not a great actor. He's a really good yeah, actor, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but he's, he's not, not a, a household name, if you will, to those who yeah. aren't familiar. And so I think anytime you can make yourself more known through your work like this line, I think it definitely enhances your your resume. I agree. I agree. Uh, do you think we left anything out? Is there anything else uh, that we didn't cover? Uh, I can't think of anything that I have uh, was thinking while watching this. But yeah, I think, I think we've gone through it all. You picked a good one. And, you know, I like I said, I've been wanting to watch this for a long time. I started to watch it on a flight years ago. 
and uh, was either tired or was in a a state similar to uh, Hunt mm-hmm. on on my flight yeah. that I couldn't uh, <laughs> couldn't enjoy couldn't enjoy a movie. It's it's kind of hard with a few vodka sodas in you. Yeah. But um, loved it. We'll uh, we'll do this again. We already got our, our our other one lined up. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, we've got a, we've got we've got a guest. But until then. You've been listening to the I Love That Line podcast. I'm Lawrence Anthony. And I'm Darren Robinson. And thank you so much. You can uh, check us out, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit our our Instagram page at I Love That Line, I underscore love underscore that line. And uh, let us know your thoughts. We will uh, we'll check in with you next time. Ciao.